0: In this episode, I break down the seven lessons that I learned from building to my first million followers on social media. I can't even believe it is for this little kid from nowhere in India to build a tribe, a community like this is mind blowing. But I wanted to take uh, this lesson with a lot of gratitude and say, OK, the road thus far, what lessons has it taught me? specifically from the perspective of being on platforms creating content the thematic approach and tactically what works my team actually built out several lessons i wanted to pick out the seven that i love and share with you today this is a a very thematic tactical approach that you can actually use in your business and in your life right now And, and so these are the seven lessons from building to my first million followers on social media and it starts right now So today I wanna talk about the seven lessons learned getting uh, our first million followers on social media. Now here's the crazy part. I never, I'm a poor kid from India. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would know five people let alone 50 people but to to have slowly or organically built an audience uh, and a community, a tribe, over the years that has gotten us this far to be able to touch a lot of lives is super exciting. So, when we hit our first million follower mark, I asked the team, and I was like, "Hey, we're a million followers across all our platforms. That's crazy!" And uh, the, the I said, and the team was like, "Well, we should probably do." You know some uh, some promotions around. I'm like, no, let's not do that. Let's pull out some lessons, things that have worked, things that have not worked, over the first million followers that we've built, a tribe that we built on social media, and let's actually understand it so that if we know what we know now, how could we do better? That was the entire idea. So uh, over the last few kind of the, pers- the the succeeding. Few months we built it, and I was actually tracking one thing. I wanted to make sure that the base was staying the same, and it was great to see, you know, the base stay the same and continuously grow and all of that. Um, I don't have a skyrocketing kind of follower growth like a lot of people do. My my base stays fairly same. My I am like a uh, I am like the GE stock or the Goldman Sachs stock, if you will. I stay fairly consistent. And I grow, you know, I just grow three, five, seven, twelve percent a year, and that's been my jam year over year over year. I got a couple of like growth spurts because uh, people shouted me up, et cetera. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, a lot of the growth, first, I'll tell you before we even push forward, a lot of the growth uh, has come from three big channels, and I'll tell you what they are. Number one, the biggest, uh, one of the one of the best channels of growth that has come from. Uh, to my overall social media presence, has been our email list. The more we write email, the more we send people to our stuff, uh, that has given a lot of our growth. And I will actually tell you that when you have email uh, subscribers that also turn into being social media kind of community followers, et cetera, you end up with a pretty engaged audience. And that's a, I found that to be the underlying key. A lot of people will build the audience first and then try to build the email list. I just got lucky because we built the list first and then built the audience. And so we're able to transfer the email list to the audience. And that generated a, you know, really great engaged audience for us. Now, what I've realized is engagement, the, the average person sees is not what I see, people think about the likes and the comments, but what I'm seeing a lot in the engagement is all the direct messages that are coming through the platforms, maybe because they already have a subscriber-based relationship with me. I'm not sure. So so that's that's kind of part one is transferring the email audience to uh, the social media audience. What I'm realizing also is that when you have the email audience, uh, it's pretty versatile. You can transfer them almost anywhere, and not not only transfer them because they hear you, they see you, they feel you. They're a much better subscriber, I think. So, uh, way number one in which we grew our audience. Way number two in which we grew our audience was collaborations, and what I mean by that is um, when when folks like when I have friends in the industry who will say, uh, you know, hey, I was just you know I, I invited Sharon for a lunch, and he gave me some advice. On how to grow my business, if a Badros Koulian or a a Jason Capital or a Matt Del Negro or Ray Cash Care or Craig Ballantyne or Brittany Crystal or, um, you know, like uh, uh, Elisa Glutz or, uh, you know, uh, Shanda Sumter or someone like that or Raquel Cornette, someone posts like that, it's really powerful because. There's so much endorsed introduction. And what I've noticed is that set of followers end up being really good followers and really good engagement people as well, because they come from an endorsed introduction. And that's something that you just can't ask for. Like it's almost impossible to do because they are sharing on stories. They're making that happen. They're like, hey, go follow this person, which I think is really, really powerful. That's number two. Number three. Uh, I am shocked as to how many followers and uh, growth that I've gotten from a few different platforms, specifically the other social platforms. Uh, a lot of our YouTube channel views end up as uh, followers, and I let me tell you how I know that. I know that because people will actually DM me and say, "Hey Sharon, I saw your interview on the Passionate Few. Hey Sharon, I saw your interview on this," and they'll write like a paragraph on what they took away, which is really interesting and really cool and really awesome because. Again, you get a really endorsed, uh, you know, someone that has consumed your stuff elsewhere and has come to follow you and all that. Uh, Recently, I've actually not gone on Clubhouse for a long time because I just don't have the time to be live that often for that long. I have friends who are on Clubhouse for like five, six, eight hours in a row. And like, I don't you know, I I value my family, and my personal time way too much to do that. And uh, my my young son was like, hey, dad. I this this was the number one reason why I got off Clubhouse. My son said to me, hey, dad, I'd much rather you be on your phone than you're on Clubhouse because you being on Clubhouse is really annoying. <laughs> like, it was amazing because, you know, my son's like, he would much rather I pay no attention to him and be on my phone than be on Clubhouse, which I, which I thought was interesting. And that was the day, like, I literally deleted the Clubhouse after my phone. But while I was on Clubhouse, the interesting thing that I saw was I would get off a room, get off stage sharing something, and literally, I'd have hundreds, 200, 300, 400, 500 followers on Instagram with a lot of messages and all of that. And so if you want to grow, if you want the fastest way to grow your Instagram following right now, it is go on Clubhouse, get on a panel, get on stage, share some thoughts, do a call to action saying, follow me on Instagram and it should be a DM. I think you're getting a lot of traction that way. So uh, hopefully that was helpful. The the big three, which is the email list transfer, the endorsed kind of shout outs, promos, JVs. And the third is coming from other platforms, which which tells you that uh, there's a lot of cross pollination of platforms when it comes to social media growth. All right. Um, Cool. So. Let's get into the seven lessons that I learned. I actually kind of wrote these up so I can give you some stories around this. So the seven lessons that I learned from getting my first million followers on the social media platforms. Um, Number one, absolutely nothing is more important than daily stories. Hands down, absolutely. This is what, again, very subjective to my platform. I'm assuming this is uh, similar to a lot of people. Absolutely nothing more important than doing than doing daily stories. Uh, and I'll to give you, um, I, I actually didn't believe this a lot, but uh, many of you know my uh, business partner and media advisor, Dean Aguilar, CEO of Digital News Media. And what he told me was, he's like, Sean, if you don't believe me, let's actually take a break from doing stories. So we took a snapshot of my account, specifically on Instagram and Facebook, and then I did not do stories for 30 days. Right. The 30 days I just laid off of doing stories. My account engagement numbers were abysmal. Like I, I can't remember them off the top of my head. So I'd be lying if I told you what they are. But they were crazy low. And I was like, wow. So, but, but the interesting part is, is we kept continuing to post everything else that we were doing. Uh, but we just didn't do stories. I didn't do any stories for 30 days. Nothing whatsoever. It was dead. And I was shocked as to the the engagement hit that my platform took. Now the crazy part is most people won't do the stories. I, it's just like it. Here's the crazy part: I have told I have told many friends who are with me today, uh, many clients who've been with me many years. I've literally said, "Hey, you are crazy not to write one to th- like at least a minimum of three emails a week to your list," because on average a consumer gets 99 emails a day. This is a study, right? Uh, And so if you, everyone's like, I wanna send a monthly newsletter. If you're sending a monthly newsletter, you're one out of 3000 emails, right? Are you crazy? That's insane. So even if you go through, if you send one email a week, you're one out of 700 emails. There's no way people are gonna keep track of that. Even if I send one email a day, I'm still not showing up in people's inboxes. I'm still not showing up with deeper value. And and this is exactly like that. I still have people that have worked with me so long, they know it, they know they should do it, but they won't for whatever reason. And I'm I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just saying logistically, it's impossible for a lot of people, but I wanna give you the logistical tip, which I share often on, on how to create daily stories. So uh, the easiest way, which I think you should do, the easiest way is literally whatever you post, you should just share. Whatever you post, you just share onto your stories. Whatever you see out there that is good content, you share onto your stories, which I think is good. That's an easy, lazy man's, lazy person's approach. But here's the right way to do stories. You should do stories every single day. And the way you do stories are you do it, you build it as a part of your daily cadence. You don't wanna say, oh my gosh, like I didn't do stories today, I should probably. No, you don't wanna ever do that because that gets messy. What you want to do is to, what you wanna do is to literally have your, uh, is to build stories into your daily work workflow. So um, many of you know this, where I, uh, when I get to, when I get to the office, uh, I like, I, I don't like working at home. My my wife kicked me out of the hospital by the way. So I don't like working at home. Um, you know, we, the teams come in and uh, some with COVID teams are remote and all of that, but I come into the office still, which I, which I really appreciate. And when I park my car between the walk from the parking uh, structure to my building, when I get here, I, um, during that time is when i record the story sometimes i'll sit on a park bench sometimes i'll grab grab a cup of coffee like you know in the local coffee shop right next door but i'll I'll, I'll sit there and record the story and i'll record it live uh right then because now i know that that is a part of my day i don't have it in my to-do list i don't have it in my checklist i don't do any of that stuff and i realized that as soon as i put daily story creation as part of my workflow, uh, it got a lot easier. So so number one, all right? Uh, number one, absolutely nothing is more important than daily story. So if you just got that and you'd heard nothing else, like you win. So I wanted to give you the first one right away. Number two, A lot of this is uh, the team put together a ton of spreadsheets on how content performed. So, a few of these you're going to hear about content performance and and how all that works. So, let me give you some content performance uh, um, analysis. Number one, number two, on, on seven lessons that I learned from my first million followers on social media, on theme content performed 17 times better than off theme content. Say it again on theme content. Performed 17 times better than off-theme content. Let's talk about what on-theme and off-theme content are. All right, um, off-theme content, by the way, it let's just define that. It is not stuff that I'm not good at. I'm going to get to that in a second. That's like out of my lane. On-theme content is the stuff that I have predetermined and, and said. Like I said to my team, these are the themes that are stuff I'm going to talk about. In fact, there are three themes that I personally follow that a lot of you should have a couple of pillars. And when you have those pillars, when, you, when, you're, when you're sharing or creating content around that, you know why you're creating what you're creating. It falls into those themes. And those themes support your personal brand, your personality, your mission, your vision, your values, right? So it doesn't, you, you don't, uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example. If I got on TikTok and I posted, dirty, uh, posted a dirty joke, I would get tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of views with my TikTok. But I would get a lot of views. But it's off theme content. It's got nothing to do with anything that I do. There's no reason for it whatsoever. I might get some traction but it has nothing to do with you know, the overall, the, my overall brand in anyway. So I'll tell you my three pillars and hopefully you can come up with a couple for yourself. So that way you can stay on point and you know that it's falling within this umbrella theme overall. So I have three things that I generally like to talk about. Um, the first is I, the inner game. I like a lot of the inner game stuff because I think you can make the biggest shifts as you how you think about stuff. Uh, our, you know, the, there's a great uh, Dan Sullivan quote which says the problem is not the problem; the problem is how you think about the problem, right? So if if we can inject ways in which people can think about a problem better, then I think that they will find their solution naturally. A lot of the learnings and the experiences, the things that I talk to my mentors about, the things that I mentor CEOs about, is like I don't need like the the, the, the CEOs that I work with range from Fortune 100 companies to uh, to to much smaller boutique local operators and the reason why there's versatility and the ability to impact them is because as entrepreneurs, as CEOs, they they work on the same stuff. And those are the inner game is really important, right? So I love the inner game stuff. I'm very passionate about it. I, 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 I practice it in my own life. So I have a kind of a personal operationalizing around it. So number one is inner game. Number two, I like the business playbook stuff. I like the, just personally, I like the how to uh hey how to grow your business how to build your brand how to do this what to do like the what and the hows are really interesting to me I like uh if, if you've been around me long enough you probably know that I love frameworks for stuff because it allows me a simple way to think about things so I like the business playbooks hey how do you do something how do you create referrals how do you like I like the frameworks around that's so that's number two business playbook and the third is balance I just like the concept of balance how do you be more productive how do you um how do you you know how how do you it's not the work ethic but the rest ethic right so how do you actually work and less? How do you you, know, you get paid to rest? How do you actually you know get away from the you know the culture of hustle and grind because the hustle and grind leaves you tired and resentful? I know those are the three themes, and in fact, by the way, uh, my those three themes are actually the same three sections of the chapter in my, in my upcoming book called underdog how ordinary people build extraordinary companies it's literally the inner game business playbooks and balance and so on theme content when i talked about those three things they performed 17 times better than off theme content which is like insane to me like i never thought that was possible i think maybe because i was more congruent maybe because i was more passionate don't know but on theme content performed better than off theme content that is uh, lesson number 2 in the seven lessons that i learned for my first million followers on social media. Lesson number three that I learned from my first million followers on social media is this, best performing content. The best performing content was when I was in my zone of genius. Hands down, end of story. Um, we took all my best performing content. I think it was like the top 1% of content across all platforms. And I'm glad that they, the team did a really good research with this, And but they did not know what was the theme among all of it. So We put all these posts together, and the team was like, what makes all of these like the top one percent of all performing content and uh, one of my team members said this he said it is the mojo of being a ceo it is the mojo of being a ceo i loved like that was not my phrasing at all that they believed was the was that the single thread that tied all those pieces of content together. My best performing content was when I was in my zone of genius, when I was talking about the mojo of being a CEO, being an entrepreneur. Now for a lot of people, it's like, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, it's not that it's like, you are a holistic person. You not only need your health and wealth and business, you have to, you know, you kind of have to like, and your family, you have to wrap it all together. And I, and I I feel strongly about that. I, I think that a lot of times when one of those, Uh, levers kind of goes out of balance, it kind of messes everything else up. So my best performing content, the top 1%, the theme that tied all of it together for me was the mojo of being a CEO. Now, if you took all your content and you took your top 1%, I think you you will find the one thing, the one theme that ties it all together, because if you do, that's when you can start making more things like that, right? That's really good. All right, that's number three. Number four, this is really painful. <laughs> it's really painful. My worst performing content, the worst performing content, was when I was out when I was out of my lane. It kind of makes sense, right? If my best performing content was when I was in my zone of genius, uh, my worst performing content when I was out of my lane. And you may say, "Well, Sharon, what is your lane?" Um, so, so the lane literally is not that it, it, not literally the ones that are off theme but the stuff that I like never that's that's not my jam and I I've realized which is not my lane is uh I was trying to figure out how to say this when when people think of me this is not meant to be good Cisco, when people think of you, they think of something. When people think of Gary Vaynerchuk, they think of something. When the people think of Grant Cardone, they think of something. When people think of Tom Billyue, they think of something. When people think of Oprah, they think of something. When the people think of I don't know, Mark Cuban, they think of something. I have realized that my worst performing content is what would not be the things that people think of when they think of me? That's how I've realized it. So like when we think of Mark Cuban, The billionaire Dallas Maverick owner, you don't think of, I don't know, uh, uh, you don't think of foot massages. (laughs) I don't know how I came up. You don't think of Teletubbies. You don't think of, you know, you don't think of, I don't know, uh, bicycles, like something that is so far from that person. And I, I think that when I started posting really off the wall content, I realized that those didn't do very well. So, my worst performing content was when I was out of my lane when I talked about cryptocurrency. Like that's just not my jam. I, I like it, I enjoy it, I want to do more with it. But that's a hobby. It's not what people do when they think of me. Number two, I am not the guy that I talk about m- money from the perspective of growing your business, money from the perspective of responsibility. But I, you will never hear me talk about like financial freedom. That's not my jam. What is if, if you want financial freedom, you should talk to my you know, my advisors. Russ Morgan and Joey Muray at Walt, without Wall Street. That's their jam, right? Their jam is financial freedom. Whatever they touch is financial freedom. Whatever they focus on is financial freedom. Everything's financial freedom. That's their jam, right? And so, so it's 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 super important. Like when I talk about financial freedom, my posts fall dud. But when I talk about growing a business, I do really well. Uh, I've also found that when someone else has a much bigger focus brand focus brand than me on that topic. It's really not my jam. So, uh, getting more social media followers, like Dean talks about that, he gets a really good focus around it. Jason Capital talks about it; he gets really good traction around it. Craig Valentine talks about it. You know, Craig's weird on how he gets that, but he but he does well on that. But he gets traction around it. The folks that talk about that, like when when people think of my brand, they're like Sean. When we think of your brand, we don't think about how to get social media followers, but how to sell with social, I get a lot of traction for that because now it's growing your business and using your skills to do something with that. So so I've realized that when the worst performing content for me was when I was out of my lane and I wish I'd known this before. I was just trying to figure out what I can actually spew out that I can get some good kind of benefit on. All right, Uh, I'm at number five of the seven things, seven lessons that I learned from my first million followers on social media. Uh, Here's the interesting thing, failures, did three times better than success stories. That may not surprise you, but like we, um, the, the social media as a whole has become this, this highlight reel. And everybody wants to talk about what you should do. Give me give you advice, like how awesome I am. Look at me, money, money, money. All like whatever, right? That's interesting. And you would think that for a lot of times, social media has this highlight reel of people. But I realized that talking about failures, did three times better than success stories. So they took all the success stories, they took all the failures and we had three times better engagement and 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 reach on the failures. Um, here's a couple of things that got a lot of reach. The dumpster diving stuff, early childhood, like struggles that got a lot of reach. How I lost a lot of money, got a lot of stuff. Um, the highest performing stuff, how I lost my health. Uh, doing poorly at relationships and like especially business partners. Rants about clients doing stupid things and failures around that. Uh, just that that stuff has gotten... A lot more traction than successes, and so I think that people want to, you know, want to want to know that they are talking to people like them, that people are working like them, that they're overworked, that they are, uh, you know, they got the hustle and grind going on. I think that uh, my team made me do this post the other day. I think I did two variations of the same post. One was like, you know, five a.m. time to rise and grind, compared to oh my gosh, it's five a.m. I didn't sleep at all. The kids were in my bed, like something like that, just showing the struggle around it. And I got a lot more in, engagement with that than with the whole, Hey, it's 5 a.m. You better wake up and crush it. Like, you know, that's not the jam. I'm just telling you what I saw, which is people like to kind of connect with what you're really thinking as opposed to what you push yourself to do, what successful people do, which I thought is super, super, uh, super, super interesting. Uh, that is number five of the seven lessons learned from my first, uh, humble 1 million followers on social media number six um how to uh, 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 for the last like 10 years a lot of people have been telling us to post a lot of how-to stories how to build a business how to grow your business two ways to build your following four ways to do gratitude like the how-to stuff uh literally was one of the most poorly performing things on social media i was shocked Jason Capital told me he's like, Sean, stop doing how-to stuff because when people want how-to, they go to YouTube. How-to is like social media is not their jam. And I'll tell you, super interesting. Like my I, I I was I always thought that um the way I show my value to people is showing them how to do something. So if I said, hey, let me show you a, a simple strategy on how you can build your business with referrals, and I give someone a tip, right? It's a hack or a tip or a, an idea or a tactic. I thought that I was offering really good value. Those posts did the worst, even though I thought they were like worth literally millions of dollars to people where they could actually take that advice and do something with it. And Jason Campbell did this really great thing. He said, "Sean, like no one wants to go take your advice, listen to something. They're on social to be entertained, to be inspired. They don't want to take that." And then go do something with it. You're assuming that when you teach them the how-to, they'll go take something and do something. The pe- people need to be in a modality of wanting to learn the how-to. So when I want to learn something, I go to so to YouTube and I say, uh, "How to build a automation on ActiveCampaign? How to uh, you know uh, record a video on my phone on YouTube? How to you know take a." I don't know a, a beasting out of my son's hand like that. When I'm doing that, it's very uh, thematic modality for the how-to. I want to learn something, so I go do it. So I have just-in-time learning, and I go do that, and I learn it, and I go apply it. And that's why a lot of like uh, YouTube channels are getting you know a lot of traction, where like the new crypto stuff or the how-to channels for like you know. Uh, um, uh, e- tutorials, they get a lot of traction because people go just in time learning on them and then they go do something with them because they learn how to do something. Social in general, like, you know, the non-YouTube based how-to platforms are not like that. They're not built that way. And I, I refuse to accept, you know, when, when Jason spent an hour with me going through my content, I refuse to accept that that was the case because I uh, anchored a lot of my value in, in, in my identity in like, you know, being super vulnerable here, I anchored a lot of my value and a lot of my identity in knowing how to do the do the thing, right? Hey, uh, I know how to set up a squeeze page. Let me, it's not good enough for me to be able to give you the messaging, give you the strategy, give you the idea. I also had to be able to draw it out for you. I also be I had to be able to share my scheme and build it out live for you and tell you the cool hooks that you can do on Zapier. Like I believed that that was, That's what made me different from everybody else. And I I had my identity so deeply steeped in the how-to that I forgot that the how-to was a commodity. If I had just shown people how to do, you know, what to do, they could have easily either outsourced that to someone on their team, or they could have gone and watched a YouTube video and figured it out themselves. They didn't need me for the how-to. They needed me for the rationale, the thinking, the shift, the change, the inspiration, the encouragement, the why, the energy transfer, the the experience on what broke, what didn't break. For this, like if I told you right now, you know, if I could give you all the tips on what to do, how to do it, that was not it. I'm telling you that. The how to actually sucked. It was like people are not there for that, and I I refuse to believe that, and and uh, I was a big big learning for me because and I and as you can you probably will see in a lot of my stuff right now I'm not doing a lot of how tos. In fact, I'm actually sharing a lot more of the best of the best uh, interview clips. I'm sharing a lot more of the best of the best snippets around uh, Q and A that was asked. I love. I will tell best one of the best performing content. I need to get my team to think about this is. How did Q&A do better than anything else? Q&A content is the best, highest performing content ever, period, and a story for anyone that I've seen. Q&A content is just like talk radio, where you share something because the question was asked in the language pattern of the audience, and you are able to answer it in a very thoughtful way. It is awesome. So so we're posting a lot more like Q&A or interview based content, which is Q&A content, which is so much more impactful than, uh, oh, let me tell you the four ways to grow your business. It's been so stuffy like that. That was a big shift for me. And I really wanted to kind of transfer that shift to shift to you. OK, so that's number six on seven lessons that I learned from uh, our first million followers on social media. The how to performed great on email, but poorly on social media. The how-to, I'll say it again, performed great on email, but really great on uh, not really on social media because on email, what and people end up doing is they end up replying and say, that's really good. They end up forwarding it to their friends saying, you should do this. They share it with their team. They save it in Evernote. they like, I'll catch up with this later. I'm cool. I'm on Sharon's list. They think that that's a good piece of like personal one-on-one content, but it did poorly on social media. It's so a huge like awakening for me that the how-to's Um, were not as important on social media, but uh, the what's and the why's and the the shifts and the perspective and the insights were a lot more important than the how-tos. So a big shift for me on number six. All right, let's uh, wrap it up with the, the seventh lesson that I learned from my first million followers on social media is this one. Organic reach. I Took upon a very victim-based mindset on organic reach. When uh, Facebook organic reach went to zero, I was like, "Oh, Facebook organic reach is zero. Let's stop posting on Facebook," because why? No one's seeing our post anyway. Why should we post? And it 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 logically makes sense. But why? You know that that happened. And my team was like, "Sure, whatever, right?" Then that started happening on Instagram as well as at the time of this recording. And what happened then? Well. We realized that organic reach was significantly down on Instagram because there were significantly more cre- uh, more creators and more audience, and there's a lot more content. So, what do you end up doing? You have to end up kind of throttling who sees what content, right? So, when I started to see organic reach drop on Instagram, I was like, okay, I stopped on Facebook. You know, Twitter sucks because, like, maybe it is because I don't have a huge following, but by the time you post something, it's lost in a tweet storm. I was thinking, okay, well, how do I do this? So I had this idea um, when I was going for a, a walk one day and I was like, well, when organic reach drops, maybe I should just triple down. Maybe I should just triple down. When organic reach drops, maybe I should just tell the algorithm that, hey, lady algorithm, I see you. I hear you. I raise you. I raise you that using poker, I raise you, I, I see I see your zero and I raise you 10, right? I raise you. And I, I wondered what that would be like. So I started, uh, you know, uh, everyone told me just go one post on Instagram and do stories and that's all you need to do. This is just one post a day. And I was like, well, maybe I should go to four posts a day. And right now, I actually don't even think that's enough. We are doing stories, we're doing lives and uh, on Instagram and we are posting four times a day, generally 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m. That's our schedule that we have found that works for us. Pacific time. And it's been super helpful. Uh, That along with the, I think what's happened is when we put those out, we get more comments. When we get more comments, uh, we're able to do more comment based engagement. When you do more comment based engagement, uh, and then do stories, share that to stories, we get more story based engagement. When we do more story based engagement, we get other people to see more of our posts. And so now every time someone uh, logs into Instagram on a given day, they always see a post because in every four hour window, there's a new post. So I've realized that when organic reach drops, instead of saying, well, I need to buy ads, I just decided we're going to triple down. And I will tell you that so far, I don't know what it's going to be like going forward. So far, um, that just doing that one thing alone has uh, dramatic, ha- has gotten... Uh, not just data-based uh, proof that this is doing better, but also uh, uh, anecdotal proof. Like I have uh, friends, family members. I've had celebrities and influencers that I've done collaborations and partner who out to me like, dude, I see you everywhere. And I like, that's so cool to hear when they see me everywhere. All that they're saying is every time they open their Instagram or their Facebook or whatever, they're seeing my stuff. Why? Because even though organic reach has dropped, we tripled down. Right, if we're going from one post a day, one to four, now it doesn't seem like a lot. Gary posts ten. Jason Capital on TikTok is posting ten posts a day. Now, could I go to ten? Probably, but I finally got my team dialed in on four, four now, and I really appreciate that. But that itself is having significant, significant uh, 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 yeah, benefits as well. So uh, the the when I While I was treating myself as the victim for when organic reach drops, like back off, I've now realized that when organic reach drops, uh, triple down, triple down. So uh, those are my seven lessons. Let me recap them like super fast for you. So hopefully that will help you. Uh, Seven lessons for my first million followers on social media. Number one, absolutely nothing is more important than daily stories. Find a way to weave them into your daily life as opposed to having to put them on your to-do list. Number two, uh, for me, on theme content performed 17 times better than off theme content. So I have three themes, uh, my themes are inner, the inner game, business playbooks and balance. I try to talk about that a lot, uh, just because I love them and I'm passionate about them. Uh, if you don't have themes, I would build some themes onto what you like to do, what you share about, et cetera and then stick with those themes. And you may start to see th- content within those themes will perform better than content off theme. So number two, number three, my best performing content was when I was in my true zone of genius. So the more people that can tell you, hey, if you would do this, you're in your zone of genius. What is that for me? It was like, hey, the mojo of you know, the mojo of being a CEO, how to teach that, how to talk about that, how to feel about that, what to what to think about that. I love that topic because it goes to the holistic experience of who this person is. Um, that really did well for me. Number four, worst performing content was when I was out of my lane. So the way I think about it is, when someone thinks about your brand, what are the things that they do not think about? That is out of your lane. They think about a lot of things, but they, what are the things that do not think about? That is out of your lane. Like go, go, stay as far away from that as possible. Like always think, if someone is thinking about my brand, are they going to think about diapers? If they don't, like don't post that. That, that makes no sense because it's not going to perform, right? Number five, uh, failures. Failures did three times better than success stories. And so I think the, this goes into the theme of vulnerability, like I, a lot of times since social media is being a highlight reel, people look at it and be like, oh yeah, there's Sharon, I'm gonna talk about another post on his jet. Like the, the jet's the jets attacks write-off, like that's not the point. The point is, you know, how do you talk more about the failures and, and tie it into something that is, you know, inspirational for them, insightful to them. The inspirational and insightful stuff is what gets people because that's what they're on the modality for, which is really powerful. Number six, uh, how to, how to, uh, type themes performed great on email, but poorly on social media. Uh, I'll take that, you know, just, just know that they perform great on email, but not on social media, how to grow your business, three ways to build a brand, four ways of gratitude, all of that perform great on email, but not as well on social media. And as seven, number seven of the seven lessons that I learned for my first million followers on social media is this when organic reach drops, triple down. When organic reach drops, triple down. Yes, you can buy You can buy media, but when organic reach drops, triple down, tell the platform, tell the algorithm, hey, I see you, I hear you, I raise you. I'm going to play a better, badder, deeper content game, and you are going to recognize me, and people are going to connect with me, because the reason why their organic reach is dropping is because a lot more people on the platform, because a lot more people on the platform, a lot more people are not getting stuff seen. If that's the case, triple down triple down and you'll start to see uh, some good benefit just like we did. Um, We have a lot more lessons actually and I just couldn't find a great, there were a lot of them are raw data based lessons. And so I'll put them together and maybe I'll uh, share, do another episode. But if you like this, do me a favor. Uh, just jump, you know, one, share this with your team. Maybe this is helpful to them. Number two, more importantly, just shoot me a quick note on Instagram. And be like, hey, I listened to this episode. It was cool. Or I like this. That was interesting. Just give me something so that I know I am sharing something that was beneficial to you. All right. Those are the seven lessons that I learned from my first million followers on social media. I still can't believe that it's true uh, for this uh, for this young kid with who came, um, who, who left home with just not a lot of money and a big uh, a big bag of dreams more than anything else. That just seems like you know, generations and lifetimes apart to, to have that. But I'm super grateful for it and a chance to use the platform for good. So those are the seven lessons that I learned from my first million followers on social media. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Catch you on the next one. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's show dot com.